Dennis said he's thankful that we can count our blessings. And uh, it made me think about our book of remembrance. I'm always on, Fran. There we go. Uh, good morning. This is Les Terrell coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, live on Sunday, May 29th. And um, <coughs> Dennis just uh, opened with a word of prayer and said he was thankful that we could count our blessings. I'm thankful for that, too. And it made me think about our, our book of remembrance that we've been working on for the last couple of weeks. And I have to admit that I've not been the most diligent about writing down my remembrances every day. But I did sit there one day and um, wrote a number of them down. And I hope that you have, too, because it is, it's fun to think back about what all the Lord's done in your life and, and uh, to have that to look at, you know, when you get, I don't want to say discouraged or challenged, but whatever it is, um, it's the time I have spent on that. It's been, it's been a blessing, praise the Lord. So um, along those same lines, I want to talk to you today about the goodness of God. And, you know, sometimes we say, you know, somebody will say, I'll say to you, Stacy, God is good. And then I'll pause and you'll say, all the time. You know, we do those things, don't we? We say, say things like that. And um, the challenge I have with that is, you know, sometimes these things become so common we don't really think about it. And I have to say, you know, we sit there on one hand and say, you know, God is good all the time. And yet, do we... Do we know that? Do we really believe that? You know, do we do we struggle sometimes with I know I mean I know we all know God is good. Okay? Love comes from God, God is love and all that. But sometimes the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves, it's almost like we act like he's not always good. Because we have these challenges going on and we're the ones that are gonna fix them and we do this and we do that and we do more of this and we do more of that, hoping that uh, the situation is gonna be righted. You know, God is always good. There is no doubt. His ways are perfect. Um, we are the ones who mess it up. You know, I hate to say it, but we are, you know, what do they say? You, you know, you know who your own worst enemy is, just look in the mirror. You know, we're the ones who, who um, praise the Lord, have the ability to um, make choices each day. You know, we have freedom to decide what, what we're going to do. But God is always good, and um, I think that we, if, if we, if you know, when we do our book of remembrance and we think back, He is always good, and we see examples every day of His goodness towards us. I mean, just look around, right? I mean, we I just there's we are reminded every day. Um, <coughs> so this. Uh, discussion. I don't really want to call it a teaching, but I just want to start by saying um, I, I was I was thinking the other day um, about one morning taking up the offering, and I was talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that we need, all these things we desire would be added to us. And when we were talking about distractions, and 
I think that I had, had mentioned, you know, I've, I've tried to get in the practice of, t of turning my cell phone off, you know, an hour before bed, plugging it in downstairs away from me so that it's not the first thing I see in the morning, you know, that you don't go check your email for that urgent thing that somebody's going to need you because, honestly, you're really not that important less, right? There's no email that anybody sent me that can't wait for an hour or so while I seek the Lord, okay? I mean, it's waited every hour during the night and every hour up until then why can't it wait another hour you know while i really focus on on what's important um so I, I noted down here on our on our teaching sheet you know how many of us do you know we get up in the morning we we do our bible study we pray we commune with the lord but then it's like we 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 we, we leave that place that attitude that spirit and we, we step over into this side, which is the world, and we go about getting to work, earning our living, you know, um, doing what we do. You know, we, we, we bolt out to go make our way in the world. And, um, you know, we all, all of us in here who have a job, Monica, you have a job, and you work hard, right? You get there, you do the best you can. And that's what we should do. You know, Debbie, all the, you know, every, everybody in here, all the years that we've worked, Dennis, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're serving your customers. You're doing the best you can. You're being diligent in your work. And the word tells us that that is how we're to conduct our business. We read in Ecclesiastes 9.10, the word tells us, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, um, don't halfway it. You know, do what you do with all your might. And then in Colossians 3.23, we're reminded, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So I think about that. You know, do I, do I work and work hard on behalf of clients and, and do the best I can? I do. But at the end of the day, I need to work as if unto the Lord, right? But, you know, um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, you know, being diligent in what we do, what our calling, what our, our purpose is in, in, in on the earth, and contrasting that with the seeking first the kingdom of God. And it seems to me that there is a very fine, there's a fine line between relying on our own abilities our own uh, devices our own hard work and entrusting the providence of God God not only can he provide for his children us it is his intent desire to provide for us and it's, it's his in most intense desire to provide for us and the most unimaginable ways how many of you in your career have ever had a you know something come out of the blue that you had no idea about that you hadn't prospected for Dennis when you were prospecting for customers you know that no that, that you just there's totally unexpected how many of you have had that kind of experience you know I know I know I have um, and it, and it really can be kind of mind-blowing. You know, it makes you, it makes you realize 
that sometimes, you know, we need to elevate our thinking and our expectations. You know, I mean, as an example, you know, if, if I'm if I'm in, in business and I'm serving my clients, and all of a sudden I get a call from somebody that says, "Hey, I just sold my business for fifty million dollars. I need you to come visit with me so we can get this these funds transferred." Well, that's a lot of money. Okay, that's a lot more than a million dollars. It's a lot more than a hundred thousand dollars. That's fifty million dollars. And, but is that anything to the Lord? Really? It's not anything to him. But that's the way he wants to bless his children. He wants to bless you in ways that maybe you, you haven't really thought about or, or to, to a degree beyond which you've really not ever considered. And on one hand, when we think about that, um, I think our, our, our thinking naturally goes to the fact that Okay, then that means I really need to work harder. You know, we start getting off into that. I, you know, that that we start getting off from his providence and provision into what we can do um, to make it happen. And so then I circle back around to this: seek first the kingdom of God, and I I start asking myself, you know, should I be shifting my thinking? You know, if I get to work an hour earlier. Will those kinds of things happen? Probably not. But if I spend an hour longer in seeking Him and spending time in communion with Him and in intercession and prayer and study, might that be the key that unlocks it? You know what I'm saying? It's 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 counterintuitive to how we how we think. Um, Isaiah 43. Verses 19 to 21, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage, and it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, and I'll provide rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness, and I make rivers in the desert. To give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. When I read this, I, there's a couple of things that stick out to me. I, I read this and I do think about miraculous provision. Provision that's counterintuitive. Provision that you, you don't expect. When you read, I make a way in the wilderness. Um... If Mark Burke were here, I was gonna I was gonna use him as an as an example because I know he likes to deer hunt, and he gets out there and he's in the woods and you're trying to get you know from here to there and you're trying to find a place to basically hide you know from the deer so they can't see you, and I'm sure that Mark has encountered this, but when you're going through the wilderness like that and and especially in the woods, it's almost impassable. I mean, there's how many of you have ever experienced those? Um, they're vines that have thorns on them. You know, I, I don't. What are they? Briars. You literally cannot get through them. I mean, they they're like a steel cord, and and when you try, of course, you get poked with the briars. But um, I, I think of that when I think of, of this this passage, 
when the Lord says, I make a way in the wilderness, sometimes we think, well, you know, the wilderness, there's, you know, it's a vast open place, and it's, you know, he makes, he shows you the path to take. Well, in, a, in the real wilderness, it's almost impassable. You, you really can't get through it. But the Lord gets you through it. He gets you through those thorny times, those times that seem impassable, I mean, impregnable situations where you just are like, there's no way I can get through that. He makes a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. You know, that's, 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 again, that's counterintuitive. It's the desert. It's hot. It's sand. I mean, the sand doesn't really hold water. You know, any water that comes down, it just kind of sinks in. The Lord wants to provide for us in miraculous ways. But the way for that provision to happen is not in our own power, our own will, our own strength, in our own doing, in our own going. It's in the spending time with him. It's in studying his word. It's in commune with him. Amen. I wrote down here, in the blink of an eye, the Lord can turn your situation around in the absolute most astounding ways. But our reliance has to be on him, and our trust has to be in him. He is the one who orders our steps. He is the one who ordains our paths. He orchestrates our affairs on a daily basis if we will let him and not override his desire with our own hard work. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's just so, we're so ingrained and indoctrinated in the ways of the world, and I even wrote that down here. Um, we, we, we are just, we're just too about doing it on our own. And we have to break out of that. And we have to um, put ourselves in the palm of his hand and just be still. Be still and know that he is God, right? And, and that is what allows him to bring that miraculous and super abundant provision beyond which we, we really can't comprehend. us in the wilderness so that he can make the path. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm uh, over 30 years old and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not always sure which one is which. Did I put myself there or did he want me to be there? And uh, a lot of times it's I put myself there. Yeah. Either by what I was doing instead of what I should have been doing or I wasn't addressing what I needed to address at all. Or there's a whole host of reasons that we come up with when we Monday night our quarterback, you know, the, the uh, wilderness. And uh, 
we don't always see the, I don't always find the answers. Why was I there? But here I am all the way through it. I'm a little over 30, and one thing that I have learned and, and, and have absolutely determined is, you know, it's, um, I guess it's human nature to want to know why, and I have just absolutely resigned myself to the fact that there's a lot of things we're just, we're not supposed to know why. We're not going to know why, and it's really not for us to know why. You know, the, the Lord knows, and that's what matters, and needing to know the answer to the why will just absolutely beat you down right because you feel like you should get you feel like you should be able to know sometimes we're just not supposed to know and I think getting to the point where you can just let that go I'm not going to know you know if the Lord wants me to know he's going to let me know and if I never know that's okay too maybe I can ask him when I get there to the other side but um, you're right, Dennis. Sometimes we don't know. Did Lord, you know, am I here because of my bad choices? Do you have me here for a reason? Um, and the answer may be yes. You're there because of bad choices, and you're there because He has a reason, right? So that's a good that's a good observation, Dennis. Thanks for sharing. Um, Monica reads this every day, and this is my copy. My utmost for His highest. It was given to me uh, in 1984 by um, the youth pastor of Schofield Memorial Church on Abrams Road. It had just, the structure had literally just been built. And uh, we started going to church there for a while. But there's, a, there's something I want to read to you out of this here in a minute. But this discussion in here comes from this passage that I want us to read together in... Um, Matthew 6, and I want to read verses 26 to 32, and it's on your sheet. It says, Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How many of you, I know we've all read that, but when I go walk the dog, or I'm out and I see birds flying around, I always think of that passage. Mm -hmm. I always think of that passage. He takes care of even the birds of the air. And yet, are you not much better than that? Who of you, by taking thought of his life, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why do you take thought for raiment or clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at how they grow. They don't toil. They don't work. They don't labor. They don't spin. And yet, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like the lilies of the field. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which is around today and then tomorrow it's dried up and cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't take any thought saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What are we going to wear? All these things the Gentiles seek. All these things we seek. All these things those around us seek, honestly. But our Heavenly Father knows 
that we have need of all these things. Doesn't he? Doesn't he know our needs before we even know them? I think he does. So I want to read this to you. And it's called Careful Unreasonableness, which I kind of love the title. <laughs> Careful Unreasonableness. So it references uh, this passage about, Behold the fowls of the air, consider the lilies of the field. And it says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they simply are. Okay? They just are. <coughs> Think of the sea and the air and the sun and the stars and the moon. All these simply are. But what administration they exert. You know, what, how, how do they minister to us? You know, when you look out there, I mean, they minister to you. You know, you cannot help but see the Milky Way and the, and the, and the, and the galaxies and just be ministered to. I mean, about the, the greatness of the Lord and, and, and his, just his might and his beauty. So often, though, we mar God's designed influence through us by our own self-conscious effort to be consistent and useful. Okay? Now, the word tells us faith without works is dead. So I'm not saying we don't, we shouldn't do good works because good works come as a result of our faithfulness and our salvation and wanting to do good for others, right? But what this is saying is God's designed influence through us, what how he how he has designed us to magnify him to literally, you know, you think about when you were a kid. How many of you ever took a magnifying glass and like held it up to the sun and focused that ray on the piece of paper or something else, you know, a, a dried leaf, you Ants. know, and started a little fire? Ants. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, how many of us did that? I think all of us did. But you think about that mental image. <coughs> the Lord is the light. Okay? We're the magnifying glass. He has designed us in a, in a particular way to shine his light through us and then let us go out and accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us. But oftentimes we mess that up by trying to be so useful to, to him right, or to others by doing, by acting, instead of just being in his presence. Jesus says that there's really only one way for us to develop spiritually, and that is by concentration on God. Don't bother about being of use to others. Believe on me. Pay attention to the source, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. We cannot get at the springs of our natural life by common sense. And Jesus is teaching that growth in the spiritual life does not depend on our watching it, but on concentrating on our Father who is in heaven. Our Heavenly Father knows the circumstances that we are in. And if we will keep concentrated on Him, then we will grow spiritually just as the lilies. The people who influence us the most are not those who buttonhole us and talk to us, but they're those who live their lives 
like the stars in the heaven and like the lilies in the field, perfectly, simply, and unaffectedly. Those are the lives that mold us. If you want to be of use to God, get rightly related to Jesus, and he will make you of use unconsciously every minute that you live. You know, focus on the light and let him magnify his power and his presence through you. And then you'll affect whatever it is that he has for you to do. Okay? It's interesting that we, you know, we, 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 we go about trying to do, trying to do, trying to do, trying to be, you know, trying to be the best we can. And we, we need to be the best we can. But oftentimes I think that it's really just more about being still before him and being used by him versus all the busyness that we create for ourselves. So when I read this, I focused on a couple of things, and I noted them down <coughs> on your sheet. You know, don't, don't be so focused on being consistent and useful, but focus on God. And try to get to a place where you simply are. You just, just be before him. And I love that concept of living simply and living unaffectedly. Okay, Living simply. How many of you could say that you live simply? Simple. Stacy can. I do. Monica can. You know, I look at, I mean, I, I, I can say I strive to live sim simply, but I don't necessarily live simply. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, you know, and um, that's probably the same. I see Debbie shaking her head. You know, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, yes? Well, I'm just going to say, you know, yours and my perspective are different. Mm -hmm. You're the breadwinner. I'm not. Right. There's things I don't have to worry about that you have to worry about. Mm. And, but I mean, I could be a worrier. You know, I could worry about the finances or whatever mm -hmm. and, you know, how we achieve the things we need to do or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I can just give a couple of testimonies about when I asked the Lord for like when Hannah went to college and she had this particular apartment and we had the money for the education but not for the apartment which was like 700 bucks a month or whatever it was. I said, Lord, I, I need the money for this. Well, you know, I'm a court reporter so I don't have a 9 to 5 job. I rely upon someone calling me and saying I need a court reporter. I made $700 extra every month that year. I didn't do anything about that. I didn't do I didn't do anything to get more work. You know, I didn't worry about not having the money. I just got the jobs and I got the money. It was, but I, I, I have probably 20 testimonies just like that about that specific type of provision, just between me and him. And Scott's doing his thing and he's gotta, just like you, you've gotta go before the Lord and, and be obedient according to your responsibilities and the things that you have to care for. But for me, I've seen just the way he's done with me in just amazing, amazing ways. And um, but I've just never been a person to worry about money anyway. But then I've got this provider that's sitting in that room in there too. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's hard for me to 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 relate. Like with Monica, she's on her own. It's up to her and the Lord mm -hmm. to provide for her. 
So her, to me, her faith is much stronger than what mine ever has to be regarding that. I mean, you know. Yeah. So it's hard to compare when everybody's circumstance is different. I mean, it's all the same. It's all him. Yeah. But when I raised my hand and said I live simply, it wasn't because I could compare myself to someone who has right. a greater degree of responsibility. That's a really good point. And I think, you know, I was, I was thinking about this teaching and, um, I mean, everybody that's heard me teach, I mean, I'm, I'm very about, you know, I, I bring forth what's going on with me and what I've done and what I've been learning, what the Lord's been sharing with me. Because it's, you know, I like to share with all of you the things the Lord has been sharing with me that I have found uh, useful, beneficial, you know, uh, maybe a different perspective than I've ever seen before. So that maybe you'll look at it from a different perspective, Fran. You know, maybe you'll 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 read it or you'll you'll hear what I'm saying from the Lord and say, "Wow, you know, I've never flipped it that way," and that makes a lot more sense that way. You know, it fits better mm -hmm. that direction than, than flip the other way. Um, and so, and I also think, and we've all talked about this, you know, <laughs> sometimes we'll bring a teaching and we're finished and we're like, boy, I hope, I hope somebody got something out of that, <laughs> you know? But the fact of the matter is, we just, you know, we get up and share what the Lord puts on our heart, and it is for somebody. I mean, there's, I guess, you know, thousands of people maybe hearing this message throughout the earth. And it's, it's you know, it's, um, you know, maybe... You know, maybe the Lord has a handful of people on on His heart that this that this is for. And I know I'm not, I know you're not saying that, that this isn't applicable to you, but when no, we do it, talk, it yeah, when is, we this is applicable to everyone. It's just everyone's perspective is a little, is a little bit different. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Too, I think so. I think as far as like living simply, in a lot of ways, I think that is a perspective mm -hmm. because I can just tell you personally, over the last two or three years, there's been things that have in my life that have s s stopped me in my tracks, whether it was the, sh you know, the lockdown after just months and months of travel and running and, and, and learning how to find that place of rest in the Lord and realize that it is such a spiritual principle that no matter what the chaos is that we're dealing with in our, wor in our, in our worldly lives, he's called us to dwell in that place of rest and function out of that place of rest. And that simplifies everything because it's it's functioning through him. And I think walking in the spirit, it's the same principle. And you, you hit on this earlier. We had this wonderful quiet time with the Lord first thing in the morning and when we step into the world. And are you walking in the spirit? What is your perspective? And it's it's abiding. And it's, it's a constant challenge. But at the same time, when we seek that, and even when I broke my foot, it was a whole other level of simplifying my life. That was more tangible because I couldn't do a lot of the things, tangible things that I could do before. So everything just became narrow mm -hmm. and simple for a couple of months or more than that. But it, it, I think it's, it's something that we have to set our perspective to accomplish in Him. Otherwise, you get caught up in the whirlwind and it's exhausting. Right. So, and he, his, he's, he provides everything that we need mm -hmm. to walk in the spirit and to walk in from that place of rest. And I, I know for me, walking this walk for 25 years and 
hitting the pavement hard um, months out of the year and getting exhausted, that was only my doing because I wasn't fully functioning from that place of rest. And I'm really, I mean, if I could say in my book of remembrance what I'm thankful for, I'm really so thankful for that. But that happened 20 years into the game. So it's such a perspective thing. And I, you know, when we got the lockdown, and we were all shut in, you may have hated it. I actually loved it. Once I surrendered to it, and I remember days being before the Lord saying, I am never going back to the way things were. Just in my own, the way, just the way that I, things turned within me. I'm not going back to that, because it was such a revelation for me. So. I remember that. I mean, I, I remember at home, you know, you would say verbally, like frequently, I am not going back. No. I'm not going back to that. No. But it's a constant, like I have to remind myself. Yeah. I, and I, and I, I think that's part of where I'm coming from is I don't want to say I'm a slow learner, but you do constantly. I mean, I have to constantly remind myself, you know, I just to slow down and to make sure I have my eyes fixed in the right places. Because, like I said, the Lord can miraculously turn something in, in, a, in a heartbeat that may quadruple the income that my household receives, and it may cut the commitment of time to, to that effort by 50%. Mm. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, if I had one client that's $50 million, then I'd just have to take care of that one client. How much of a time savings is that versus 50 clients with a million dollars? Well, I have, news, I have news for you. That is God's economy. That's what he desires for us, I believe, so that we have that time to be with him. Go ahead, Anne. That's so true, and we're so thankful for that. But if the opposite were to happen, that, that's the key. It would we still be able to function it's in a good, his spirit, very good from point. a place of rest, and be productive and yeah, maybe maybe he helps us to, to get to that first, and then he says, okay, now that I see you can do that, and you can maintain your focus on me, and you can maintain peace, now here you go. Yeah, I don't know. All right. <coughs> so, I mean, here the word says, seek first God's kingdom. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added to us. There was another uh, passage I wanted to share. I'm not. This is the last one I'm going to share of this, but it was meaningful to me. And it's along these same same lines. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. And it says here, you know, immediately when we look at the words of Jesus, we find them the most revolutionary statement human ears have ever listened to. Seek first the kingdom of God. But we argue in exactly the opposite way. Even the most spiritually minded of us think, but I must live. I must make so much money. I must be clothed. I must be fed. The great concern of our lives is not necessarily the kingdom of God, but how we are going to provide for ourselves, how we are going to fit ourselves to live. But Jesus reverses this order. He says, get rightly related to God first, and maintain that as the great care of your life. And never put the concern of your care 
on other things. Take no thought for your life. Our Lord points out the utter unreasonableness from his standpoint of being so anxious over the means of living. Jesus is not saying that the man who takes thought for nothing is blessed. That man is a fool. Jesus taught that a disciple has to make his relationship to God the dominating concentration of his life and to be carefully careless about everything else in comparison to that. I'm going to read that again. Jesus teaches that a disciple has to make his relationship to God the dominating concentration of his life. Our relationship to God has to be the dominating concentration of our life. And that we need to be carefully careless about everything else in comparison to that. Jesus is saying, don't make the ruling factor of your life what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, but be concentrated absolutely on God. Some people are careless over what they eat and drink, and they suffer for it. Some people are careless about what they wear, and they look like they have no business to look. They're careless about their earthly affairs, and God holds them responsible. But what Jesus is saying is that the great care of this life on earth is to put the relationship to God first and everything else second. And it's one of the severest disciplines of the Christian life to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into harmony with Jesus and the teachings in these verses. That's powerful. That's powerful. So we have to remember that right relationship with the Lord has to be our primary focus. I think this concept or this principle of being carefully careless about the rest of your activities in comparison to that is also critical. And, you know, we just have to put God first and by a large margin put him first and everything else second. I love the fact that in the words of Jesus in these passages we read, he's really kind of flipped everything for us. We're all well, too well trained in the ways of, of the world, the ways of humanity, and that's unfortunate. Um, we, again, most of us do. We, we, we concern ourselves with how we're going to care for ourselves, what, we'll, what our provision will be. But we need to flip our thinking and get in line with the way that Jesus thinks about these things, right? Um, the title of this uh, sharing today is The Goodness of God, and... Again, we do know that God is good, but I want to share a story with you and some scripture to go along with it um, on the goodness of God in, in my life and the, the life of Monica and the life of our family. Um, you all know that Noah got married. They're in Italy on their honeymoon right now. I think they just got there today or yesterday or I guess the time changed. But um, So backtrack about a week ago. <coughs> Uh, Noah and Amber flew into town from California, got in town on a Monday night, and it was fairly, I guess they got in pretty late. You know, we got home late, and everybody knows that I'm kind of an early-to-bed guy. So getting in bed 11, 30, 12, I was pretty tired the next morning. So I woke up when I woke up, and I was just thanking the Lord about, I was thanking the Lord for having Noah back home and, and having Amber there and being safe and 
it's uh, all of you who have kids, when everybody's there together, it's this peaceable feeling. It kind of feels like just, I don't know how to describe it. It's like everything's right with the world, right? It's mm -hmm. like all the pieces of the puzzle have been plugged in and you have the full picture, right? That's how I was feeling that morning. So I was just thanking the Lord and giving him praise for that. And I heard him say, this will be repetitive for you, honey, because I shared this uh, at the wedding. But uh, I heard him say, Abraham, Isaac, and Rebecca. And so I, you know, I, we've all read the story, but, you know, it had been a while. So I'm like, okay. And I got up and I went downstairs and I opened up um, my Bible and I read out of Genesis 24 the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Rebecca. I've put that on your sheet, and we're going to read through this, um, and then this will be the, the ending of the teaching, but you read on your sheet. I'm going to read from this, um, the, the New Revised Jerusalem Bible, because I, I, like I like how it comes out. I like how it all comes out, but I'm going to share from this, this version. So uh, by now Abraham was an old man. He was well on in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. So Abraham says to his senior servant of his household, the steward over all his property, place your hand under my thigh, and I'm going to make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not choose a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but that you will go to my native land, to my own kinsfolk, and choose a wife for my son Isaac. So the servant answers him and says, well, what if the girl doesn't want to come back with me to this country? Should I then take your son Isaac back to the country from which you came? And so Abraham says, be sure that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, the God of earth, who took me from my father's home and from the land of my kinsfolk, and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, and he said, I shall give this country to your descendants. He will now send his angel ahead of you, he's speaking to his servant, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. Now if the girl does refuse to follow you, you will be quit of this oath to me. Only do not take my son back there. And so the servant placed his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham, and he swore to him that he would do it. Okay? <clears throat> the servant then took ten of his master's camels and, carrying all kinds of gifts from his master, set out for the city of Nahor in Aram Naharim. I probably butchered that, but you, uh, you can take a stab at it. <clears throat> in the evening, at the time when the women come out to draw water, he made the camels kneel outside of town near the well. And he said, so he's praying here, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show faithful love to my master Abraham. So while I was standing by the spring, <clears throat> as the young women from the town came out to draw water, okay, so here I want to point this out. Um, the steward is about to make a deal with God. Okay. He says, look, while I stand here 
if I say to one of these girls, please lower your pitcher and let me have a drink, and if she answers, drink, and then I'll water your camels too after you have finished drinking, then let, let her be the one that you have decreed for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown faithful love to my master. You follow? So he kind of made a deal. He, he's throwing the fleece out there, right, before the Lord so that he knows that the right woman has come along. Now it says, and I find this interesting, it says he had not finished speaking. So he had not finished making his deal with the Lord when there was Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, uh, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder. It says the girl was very beautiful to look at and a virgin. No man had touched her. She went down to the spring, filled her pitcher, and came up again. And then it says this. Running towards her, the servant said, Please, give me a little drink of water from your pitcher. And so she replied, Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her pitcher onto her arm, and she gave him a drink. And when she had finished letting him drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have had enough. So she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, and she ran to the well again to draw, and drew for all the camels. Now all the while, the man watched her in absolute silence. And he was just wondering whether this was the Lord, and if the Lord had made his journey successful or not. And just so you know, if you have a jug on your shoulder and you're going to water 10 camels, that's a lot of water. I mean, you think about how many times she had to walk from the trough to the well to the trough to the well. It took a long time, okay? And the servant was silent the whole time, just watching. So when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel, and he put it through her nose. That had to be an interesting sight. <laughs> and then he put two bracelets weighing ten gold shekels on her arms, and he said, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. And is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And so she replied, probably a little dazed, having had a ring shoved through her nose. I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, bore to Nahor. And she went on. We have plenty of straw and fodder and room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of my master Abraham, for not withholding his faithful love from my master. The Lord has led me straight to the house of my master. And so the girl ran to her mother's house to tell what had happened. The goodness of God. I mean, to me, when I read this, um, and, and again, the, you know, the Lord, I think when he told me, Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, what he was saying, What he was sharing to me is, you know, just like I did for them, I've done for you. You know, I've provided a life for, for Noah. You know, it's, it's of his doing. It happened in his timing. Um, 
know, Amber and Noah were friends for a long time before they decided they loved each other as you know, husband and wife. But the Lord had been working this out all along. And so when I when I when I've studied this and I've I've read it a number of times, the the lessons that I take away from this is that Abraham says he will now send his angel ahead of you so that you can get a wife for my son. Abraham had faith, did he not? The father of all who walk in faith, hello. He had faith that this was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. But when we pray from an early age that the Lord would prepare the, the helpmate, the spouses for our kids, we have to know and have faith that it is happening. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in some distant future. Maybe the event will happen in the distant future, but the process has been started. Okay, We have to have faith, just like Abraham had faith. Another lesson I took away from this is what I title here in my Bible. I wrote down expectancy of fulfillment. After Abraham has this discussion with his servant, what does it say? It says the servant took ten of his master's camels and he grabbed all kinds of gifts from his master. I mean, he was the steward over his household, so he could do whatever he wanted. So he grabbed ten great camels and went and got a bunch of food and loaded them up and headed off to the land of Abraham's kinfolk. He did that because he had, I mean, why would you put a bunch of gifts on a camel if you didn't think it was going to happen? Okay? He had an expectancy of fulfillment. He knew that what the Lord says he will do, he will do it. And he expected that to happen. And he acted accordingly. He made provision, he loaded the camels, and he set off on the trip. Okay? Another takeaway I got from this was it says here in verse 12, he said, I mean, the, the, uh, the servant says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Show faithful love to, to my master Abraham. He was interceding on behalf of Abraham. He was interceding and asking the Lord to show that faithful love to his master and fulfill this thing that was the desire of Abraham's heart. We have to intercede on behalf of the promises that God has made us. Okay? Those promises that we know he's made us that are not yet fulfilled, we have to intercede on behalf of those. And this is a beautiful example of that. Um, you know, I made a note here, making a deal with God. Um, it's okay, I think, to ask God, ask God to show you, you know, show me, you know, give me some evidence that I'm going the right way. Give me some evidence that this is the right person, that this is the right girl. Um, I think the Lord will do that, and clearly He did it here, didn't He? I and I love the fact, and I wrote down here. Um, well, I love the fact that it says. 
the servant had not yet finished speaking with the Lord. He had not completed making the deal. He had not yet, yet finished speaking when all of a sudden there was Rebecca coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder. We have to understand that oftentimes the, 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 the wheels are already spinning. Things are already moving. The, the machine is already moving forward to what the Lord wants to fulfill. Okay? Before he finished speaking, there she was. You know, he hadn't finished, and all of a sudden, in she walks. I mean, the Lord is that, I mean, that's how he, that's how he rolls. Well, it, yeah, apparently the Lord told Abraham that the angel was going ahead of, ahead of him. So the angel was already. He's already got it done. Yeah, he was already doing it. Yeah. So true. Well, one thing that strikes me is that how, how many social norms of the day have been broken here? <laughs> Good numerous, point. numerous. You know, first of all, the young ladies don't talk to strangers who come running up to they. They're told to run the other way if somebody comes running up to you that you don't know. And then she draws the water, and all of that is is uh, amazing that she yeah. offered to do that. But the 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 girls and the boys are promised to each other from birth. Here she comes home, promised to someone she's never met. And where did you get that ring in your nose? Oh, this stranger I met. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Where is he? I'm going to talk to him. Right. You know, <laughs> me and my servants. <laughs> and, you know, all of these social norms are broken. That's just how amazing this miracle is. That. You would, you would read that, people of the day would read that story and say, this can't happen. Right. This can't be. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Another thing I love is it says that she went to the spring, she filled her pitcher, and she came up again. This is at the very beginning. And it says, running towards her, the servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your pitcher. And I, I, I took a note here that says, um, when we see evidence of the fulfillment of the promise, we should run towards it. That's great. I mean, you think about it. He's, he's there on the, with the camels, and he sees this woman, and he runs towards her. You know, we should run towards what we see as the fulfillment of his promise. And then the last thing I love is the passage that says that the, the man bowed down and he worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master for not withholding his faithful love. He has led me straight to the house of my master's brother. That's amazing. It's amazing. So prayerful gratitude blessing and thanksgiving is the right response to the goodness of God. Right? So with that, I would like to <coughs> uh, express prayerful gratitude to the Lord for his blessings. And I would like to give him thanks for all the goodness that he shows to 
me and to Monica, to our family, the goodness that he has showed to Noah, bringing him a virtuous woman. I thank him ahead of time for bringing that man of God that can lead Olivia. Um, because I know that that's, uh, you know, th those wheels are spinning too. That's all put in motion. And God is so good. He is so good. <coughs> and I just thank him. And um, I thank him for all of you being here and uh, listening to this teaching. So I hope that it was meaningful for you. Thank you. And um, I'll close with a word of prayer. Lord, we do. We thank you for your goodness towards us. You give us so much more than we deserve. Actually, if we got what we deserved, we would be um, lost. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. And thank you for your word and that we can just rightly divide it every day and find meat for our souls and our spirit. Father, we ask that you bless this day. Bless our families. Um, keep everybody safe, Lord. Those that are traveling, keep them safe. Uh, let it be a beautiful day in you. And let us be beautiful in your sight. We love you, we glorify you, and we do ask in the days ahead that you would help us to make you our primary focus and our primary concentration, knowing that you have made provision already for all the things that we have need of. Let us just seek you above all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.